This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Happy freaking Monday, people. Welcome back to the WOMED. I love getting to learn more about STEM careers and especially the women excelling in these fields. This week, I am speaking with Devin Pauly, or Dr. Dev. What a super rad chick. There are so many awesome careers in STEM, and honestly, in my next life, I want to be a scientist. So get your test tubes in line and make sure your microscope stages are lowered and queue up this week's pod. As always, it is time for that NDE, that nursing energy. And this is it, y'all. November 3rd. It's tomorrow, and it is the last possible day to vote. And if you've already voted, amazing. Thank you so much. And if you haven't yet, and you are able to do so safely, get to your polling center and vote on November 3rd. Bring some snacks and some water and your masks, because you just don't know how long the lines are going to be. But please remember to be kind to the workers at the polling centers. This episode is brought to you by EHR Go. Go helps educators teach a human centered approach to technology in healthcare. Go is a simulated electronic health record with a catalog of realistic and diverse patient care scenarios included. Find out more at healthpodcastnetwork.com slash the WOMED. That's Health Podcast Network dot com slash the WOMED. Well, Dr. Dev, welcome to the WOMED. I've been so excited to get you on the podcast. I just, I love your brain. And I feel like I have like girl crushes on brains because it's just like my brain doesn't function on that level. And I wish it did. You're the sweetest. I'm so happy <laughs> to be here. When you reached out, I was ecstatic and like just Excited to be included with an incredible group of women, including yourself. So, yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> okay, so you, I'm going to go through your credentials here. You have a bachelor's in biomedical engineering, and you're Correct. a PhD candidate in biochem and molecular biology. I am, yes, at the University of Miami. That's amazing. I, I don't even know where to begin. Like, how do you explain to people what you do for a living? It's funny you say that. My mom had to write it down because she's like, I can't explain to my friends what you do all day at work. (laughs) So I I think it sounds a little more, I mean, it is involved, but essentially what I describe to people that aren't familiar with what I do is I create a point of care diagnostics. So sort of similar to pregnancy tests, just assays or kits that people can use in remote parts of the world in order to like self-diagnose disease and help manage that spread to give everybody access to healthcare. Wow. I I don't think I was totally expecting (laughs) that answer. I was like, that's so wild. Like what goes into making those tests? There's many different components and there's a lot of different ways to tackle a lot of these problems, which Mm -hmm. obviously has come up recently with COVID. Everybody has to be a little more creative with the resources and knowledge we have at the time that you're creating whatever device you're working on. 
Mm-hmm. I have a couple different projects. It really helped having the engineering background because I was able to play up or dive into that creative side of my brain to innovate, I guess, new methods to come up with diagnostics. Um, but there are yeah. a foundation of how a lot of these things work, which I'm sure in all lines of work, everybody has that basis. Um, a lot of my work is antibody based. Okay. So you're current, you're currently working on creating like more COVID tests. Are you working on the vaccine? Like, or does that kind of go hand in hand at all? My, my biochemistry, molecular biology is, is still back in like, (laughs) in my, 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 uh, gen ed course. (laughs) Actually, a lot of people don't even take biochem. So that's already, already a plus, but yay. (laughs) But it was actually a really cool experience. So in around February, when COVID was really presenting itself strong in other parts of the world, mm-hmm. my uh, PI or my boss in my laboratory kind of assembled a COVID rapid response team and said, hey, we don't know what's going to go on with this, this virus, but we need to be proactive and start working on um, a rapid diagnostic now. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we focus on in my lab. Um, it's actually how I started my graduate work when Zika virus was prevalent in Miami and that's where we're yeah. based she said let's be proactive about this if anything I think uh one of our senior scientists started as soon as December January already trying to engineer our different primers and so essentially from February until May we developed a rapid diagnostic that can be performed in under 20 minutes and it was it is isothermal so it's at one temperature okay and it is molecular based, obviously. So it's similar to a PCR test. Mm-hmm. It's called RPA, different type of technology. But so those months I was in the lab, the rest of our, it was me and one other student and the rest of our scientists working on that while everybody was, I guess, quarantining, which was a really cool experience. And we went through the FDA application process and yeah. all that's under review, which was really cool in that, in that way. I mean, borderline going to work and stuff. It really gave me so much respect for our the nurses, physicians, uh, really frontline healthcare workers. It was eerie coming to work at that time and a whole different perspective on my work through this COVID process. Wow. So is that, who's all using that test right now that you helped create? <laughs> we have it functional um, on a research basis at UN. Oh, okay. Full FDA approval, it can't be used for the general population mm-hmm. but in terms of regulating spread and investigating the virus further we're able to use it ourselves in um in the laboratory neat so what's that process like with trying to go through fda approval i think my experience was probably different than what a lot of people usually experienced just because the fda had um a lot lower less stringent requirements through this pandemic in order to mm-hmm. really push a lot of this technology along because we we needed it right. so when it apply there there weren't as many replicates needed and things like that mm-hmm. um that being said when we first applied it was common our technology hadn't been used before in this arena the mm-hmm. rpa um, technology so they did come back and ask for more stringent tests they required active patient sample verification things of that nature so that did take extra time and just the nature of everybody really globally working on this research, which is amazing because we were all able to, I mean, now I'm not sure how familiar you are are with the the available tests, but there's many different types of tests. You can go get tested pretty quickly within a day and see 
what your result is. But at that time, yeah. people weeks to know if they were infected. And by then they yeah. might have already cleared the virus and it was a whole jungle uh, dealing with that. So um, my experience was a little bit different probably than the traditional experience, but it was mm-hmm. still really educational, um, really cool for lack of a better uh, word. Of that. <laughs> a really neat experience. You know, all the things we'd love to do for ourselves, but haven't done it for whatever reason. Well, if you've always wanted straighter teeth and a better smile, stop putting it off. Thanks to Candid, straightening your teeth is simpler, easier, and more comfortable than ever. Candid clear aligners are comfortable, removable, and practically invisible, unlike wire braces. So you can transform your smile without anyone noticing. Plus, your treatment is prescribed and monitored remotely by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. And it's all done from the comfort and convenience of your own home. Candid only works with orthodontists, never general dentists like other companies. Plus, your supervising orthodontist will be with you every step of the way. With Candid, your treatment includes remote monitoring by the same orthodontist who created your plan. So you never have to wonder about how you're doing. You'll always know. I love that. The average candid treatment is just six months, but you'll start seeing results way before then. And it costs thousands less than braces. Start straightening your teeth today. Right now, all my listeners can save $75 on Candid's starter kit. Go to candidco dot com slash WOMED and use code WOMED. That's candid, the letter C and O dot com slash WOMED, code WOMED. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit. CandidCO.com slash WOMED and use code WOMED. I feel like everyone in the world, well, every scientist is is on deck right now trying to combat this virus and like help out in some sort of way and offering up all of their data. How collaborative is this world? Like, is it is it more collaborative or are you guys, is it more competitive? Like who's trying to get everything approved first or? What? Right. Tr- traditionally, I'd say it's very collaborative in academia and competitive in terms of industry. So of course okay. there's these massive healthcare companies, like there's like Abbott Technologies. Now it has the rapid test and just these mega conglomerates that they have such powerful resources to draw upon. Right. But the benefit of academia is there's these old, like incredible research institutes globally that we all are working towards a common goal. And at the mm-hmm. end, by having your work, published is basically your way of advancing your institution. So mm-hmm. the benefit is you can publish and collaborate with whoever you want. So we actually have collaborators in the health ministry of Chile, and they were repeating or mimicking our test there just to make sure it can work anywhere. And it's not influenced by temperature, humidity, like whatever you might might have. And they had access to many patient samples, which we needed really to um, get our test FDA approved. So my experience in in the lab has been definitely one of academia. When I was working on the Zika virus assay, our collaborators were from Brazil because mm-hmm. that's where the first antibodies from patients were isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've 
had that experience. Um, as I wrap up my graduate work and dive into industry, I'm sure I'll be able to see the other side of what that looks like. Yeah. For a lot of those companies, obviously their payout is more within their own technology. So my experience has been collaborative, but I know it might not always be that way, which is crazy because if you have a pandemic going on, you think everybody would be posting all their information online, just trying to get to an end result as quick as possible. Right. Right. But no, it's, 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 I don't want to say like it's big pharma based, but it's like, it's, it's money based, you know, right. money and power Ideas. drives so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a shame. I like to have your viewpoint. Like let's all work together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially now people are sick. People are dying. Like I, it's yeah. so important to work together. And unfortunately this, it does show how, I mean, they say money makes the world go around or really drives a lot of these, these larger uh, industries. And unfortunately, that's what it comes down to. But in a way, it does keep everybody sharp and on their toes and people are working around the clock because they want to be the first one with the best technology. Mm-hmm. So I guess it depends how you look at it. True. Very true. I want to talk a little bit about, I'm just, I'm so curious, like, how would you explain <laughs> the difference between molecular biology and biochemistry? The difference, I guess, molecular biology is more so engineering, say, DNA or creating your own, say, proteins or molecules or however, what your whatever your end goal might be on a molecular level. Okay. So, for example, um, I'm creating a diagnostic for bacterial vaginosis, mm-hmm. and um, there's many different bacteria that are overgrown, and one of them, Gardnerella. Mm-hmm. produces a toxin called vaginalysin, and it's not commercially available. So I had to create it artificially in a lab. And I used molecular biology to create that on a molecular based level. So I went- You are so cool. Like, <laughs> my, my nerd brain is just like, that's, that's awesome. Okay, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, I, I, get, I mean, I love talking about my work because I think it's so cool too that we're able to do this in this day and age. I think it's wild, but- yeah. Like you can go online and look up these databases. They have the DNA of the protein available and you basically send it off to a company. They send you back a plasmid of the DNA and you can grow it artificially yourself in the lab. So that's more, I guess, an example of molecular biology. Mm -hmm. And biochemistry really is how within like the human body or just in the, the natural world, how all of our chemicals and reagents interact with each other and influence each other and I guess operate. So... Okay. The molecular biology would be how a lot of things in your body operate on a on the most basic level, I guess. That's so cool. So like how did you how did you even get started in this field? Like what what drove you to like the STEM sort of fields? Great question. I've always loved math and science since I was younger and mm-hmm. I was um strong in it in school, so I was really fortunate to be in a school that had engineering as an elective in high school. And oh, cool. Yeah, which was great because I, who knows if I would have ever kind of found my path this way if maybe I hadn't have had that exposure early on, which is why I think it's so important in, in general in the education system to be able to um, expose kids at the earliest time point possible to all the different opportunities and options there are. But I can talk about that all day. So all day. Yeah. So I... I loved it. It was really hands-on engineering, more like building like projects or what have you. At that time Mm -hmm. in Haiti, there was a a year that there was about five hurricanes. So one of our projects was building like a clean water filtration system or just real world world applications, which I thought Mm -hmm. was so fun. 
but I also was highly considering going to medical school. I think the human Mm -hmm. body is incredible how it can heal itself, basically engineer itself, depending what you, what you need. And, um, biomedical engineering really provided a bridge between those two fields that was unique in the sense that no matter what I chose to pursue after I knew if I had that foundation, I'd be able to pursue engineer, be an engineer, go into medicine, um, kind of whatever, however it took me, I figured once I got further along, I'd have a better Mm -hmm. idea. And that's what happened. So I was studying biomedical engineering, and it's very common to do research in that track during uh, your undergrad year. So I was involved in research, trying to figure out, should I go to medical school? Should I not? I love what I do. There's Mm -hmm. many different things, not even medical school, you can be a research scientist, a research physician, there's just so many different options. It's a little overwhelming, for sure. I don't know. I, I guess that as I was involved in my research and seeing how things were unfolding, I felt that I could make a larger impact by creating some sort of device or technology that would still influence the human body, but mm-hmm. allow me to also be creative day to day in my work. It sounds like the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And that's, that's how it's unfolded. I'm so happy with my decision. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're working on your PhD. I, I guess I'm I'm kind of unclear on like what the PhD candidate sort of means. Like, is it like a research thing or? Yeah. So when you enter grad school for my PhD track, once you pass your qualifying exam, which is usually in your second or third year, you basically present to your committee what you want your dissertation to be on. Mm-hmm. And they evaluate if you are qualified enough to pursue that research. And once you finish that research would be the end of your your PhD. So once you pass your qualifying exams, you turn into a PhD candidate. So up until your quals, that's kind of master's level. And then after okay. your quals, um, you enter into the PhD candidate, which means you are qualified. If you complete the work you proposed, then you would be qualified to be a PhD. Oh my gosh. What's your my thesis? Yes. Sorry. Early <laughs> no, no, morning. Okay. My brain is not firing on all cylinders yet. <laughs> we talked about this. I need help. <laughs> it's actually funny because even going into this, I didn't even know how the process worked and I was like choosing to do it. So I can't even imagine in general that everybody have, like I said, my mom has no idea what I do. All <laughs> my work is a little unique because I did come, as an, come in as an engineer. So mm-hmm. my thesis is three-pronged. My first prong or Part of it was my Zika virus assay. Mm-hmm. My second prong is a point of care diagnostic for bacterial vaginosis. So those kind of go hand in hand for women's health rapid mm-hmm. tests. Yeah. My third project is more engineering based and it is a, for lack of a better explanation, a drug infused polymer or an implant for you put in your ear to prevent hearing loss. Oh my gosh. I mean, so it's you're, a completely different animal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, is, is that typical? Do you have to have something in kind of like in those three sort of areas or, no, or are you just actually, a really big overachiever? <laughs> no, it's actually uh, proved to be a quite challenging because as I write my dissertation, usually everybody has an overarching theme. Uh-huh. And, um, as I explain myself, it's, I mean... Unless I'm going to be very uh, creative in, in inter, like weaving hearing loss 
and women's health because I think hearing loss is um, affects everybody equally. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so in terms of that, it is a, a bit um, non-conventional, but I've enjoyed it because it's allowed me to dive into these different parts of my training and my education mm-hmm. rather than hyper-focusing on one area which I think is going to prove valuable as I translate this into industry or my next steps when I graduate. And it's also, it's been helpful because research day to day, I mean, it's called research because we don't necessarily know the answers. We're trying to investigate what's going on. So traditionally, like day to day, a lot of my work, I get negative results. You know, the days that Mm -hmm. something comes out positive are really exciting days. So by having different projects, I'm able to jump back and forth. If something's not working, I can go work on something else and come back with a fresh, clear mind yeah. and maybe look at it with a different perspective or see something that I might not have seen before when I was hyper-focused tunnel vision trying to get something to work. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can see that. Shout out to all the healthcare educators and students listening in. You guys always ask me on Instagram for study tips. You should check out EHRGO. I wish my school had this when I was training to be a nurse. Go uses case-based learning to teach a human-centered approach to technology in healthcare education. Go has over 300 multifaceted patient cases presented in a realistic, simulated electronic health record. And Go helps students build clinical judgment skills while also learning to effectively document within an EHR. When working in Go, Students need to evaluate and organize competing healthcare needs into levels of urgency while also making simple to complex clinical judgments about their patient care, just like in real life. Go can be used in all educational healthcare disciplines and within or between programs. It's the ideal platform for interprofessional education. Web-based with no software to download or maintain, Go can be used on any computer or browser for in-person learning or for remote or hybrid lessons. Go is the only educational platform that puts human care at the heart of technology. Learn more about Go by visiting healthpodcastnetwork.com slash thewomed. That's healthpodcastnetwork.com slash thewomed. It almost makes me anxious to be like, oh my gosh, you have to pick this one thing and this very one thing you have to study and like prove all this research on instead of, and like, what if you decide you hate this thing that you're trying to prove? I respect that a lot that you've like taken on these like three different things because it's, it allows you to be so creative in different fields. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's been um, a blessing in that sense. Obviously, in the beginning, I was I felt it it did take a bit to get my feet wet and learn the foundations of the different projects because they are so different. Mm-hmm. But the nature of the PhD, since it obviously is a big time commitment, I've been able to dive into those different areas on a really deep level and understand them. So yeah, I, I feel really lucky um, to be able to have different projects to work on. And that being said. I don't work on things like by myself. So I've had a lot of support and training from my superiors and um, things like that. So it's been a really great experience being able to work on different projects. That's awesome. So it, it's not just you. Well, it's just your research. But do you have like other assistants? Is that part of? Yeah. So I 
usually when it's not COVID, um, everybody calls them my minions. So whenever we have undergrad <laughs> in the lab, like when I used to do undergrad research, yeah, uh, semester, we usually have a, a group of them. So I always, always have at least one student. I love mentoring up and coming younger scientists. Um, yeah. I think it's such an exciting time. And um, I actually had two of my students, they came back, I had them for two years. So really being able to see somebody come into the lab and learn techniques and then move on and pursue their own career and goals has been really rewarding. And that's been a really integral part of my personal training is being able to train younger students. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very rewarding in that sense. And um, it helps me too, because once I train them, then I can kind of get working, writing and doing other things while they're at the bench, kind of moving those things along. And from the other side too, a lot of my projects, as you can tell, they're translational from the lab to the clinic. So Mm -hmm. I work closely with a lot of MDs and a lot of residents. So we work on, for example, my hearing loss. Uh, A resident and I have been working on that project for five years together. Wow which has been great to be able to have that collaborative environment where she's basically in the OR every day and I'm in the lab. And then maybe mm-hmm. once a week we'll meet uh, to be able to give feedback on both sides. Like this is what she needs to be uh, useful in the clinic and how can I make that happen in the lab? Okay. So you've been working on that for like five years. How long does research typically take? Like when is, is can you even put a timeline on that on when you foreseeably see like the research being completed? Right. So it just just depends on project. So for example, my Zika virus assay, once I Mm -hmm. developed that technology, we published it and patented it. And so then from there, UM takes it on Mm -hmm. the technology. In terms of my hearing loss project, uh, we initiated that when I first started about five and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And at this point now, I am training the next resident He's actually his in his last year of med school. And so in order to be able to see if that's going to be useful or not in the clinic, unfortunately, we have to do like animal studies mm-hmm. and those need to be done over a long period of time and to investigate, is it useful? Is it not? And I can't be in school forever. So uh, right. in order to try to get that over, I publish what I found thus far and then younger students will take over and continue down that road. Wow. Okay. So, but it's still your initial project? Correct. So for okay. my publication, I'll be the first author on it. So. Wow, I'm, I'm, I'm learning so much. This is awesome. <laughs> is this field more male-dominated or is there more collaboration and um, like more women in, involved in, in STEM now? I would definitely say... It's male dominated, but I've been really fortunate to have my mentor, Dr. Sylvia Donner, really uh, take over kind of and expose me. Like she's very uh, supportive of women in STEM, women women in medicine. So everything in our lab is equal. If not, we have more women. Just I think from her energy and women are really drawn together when they feel empowered and motivated and. So I've had a really great experience and the people that I work with day to day, I've never noticed a difference in male or female presence one over the other. We're awesome. very equal in our lab, but I do know when I've gone to different conferences, meetings, things like that. Yeah. There's oftentimes I'm the only female um, that happened frequently in undergrad and engineering. 
I'd say much more in engineering than in um, my experience with science. Wow. I mean, like I, I wish as, as like a younger girl, you know, when I'm like in like middle school and high school that there would have been more opportunities available, like to even pursue something like this to get, like you said, like dip your feet in, in your opinion, like what all needs (laughs) to change and be like more available to get more women, you know, like or more people in general, you know, but like obviously mostly women. I I want to lift up more women and into these. Yeah. So we have a program called Women in Biomedical Sciences at um, Mm -hmm. University of Miami that was started in my department. I worked closely. Celeste founded that group. I served for three years as the president of our uh, graduate student association for BMB. Mm -hmm. So we would seek out opportunities. I was a science outreach coordinator to go to our local schools and host events. And when the kids are younger, like fun, interactive, I don't know in school if you ever remembered, like they'd give you a plastic bag with um, cardboard, rubber bands, paper clips, and whoever can make a little go-kart that can go the farthest wins type of thing. Like just fun activities to get Mm -hmm. the kids inspired in science and engineering and have them thinking creatively and make it sort of in a a game way that doesn't sound so not daunting but to make it sound more attractive or really what it is because I think what I do is so fun in the lab Mm -hmm. and I I agree with you there is a huge gap in terms of inspiring really our youth or even exposing them to the opportunities that are available that's something that I do on a personal level but I think if everybody was a little more conscious of that, it would definitely help. And and I think obviously the next generation, which you, me, whoever, as we move forward with our lives, um, keeping that in mind and, and mentoring and reaching out. And even if you have your experiences, when you're talking to somebody younger, just kind of being available. That's one thing, mm-hmm. like, for example, even the Instagram's been great. I have so many younger um, scientists reach out, even just yeah. what you're out with me right now like how did I get here what do I like about it you know mm-hmm. which is really helpful I think oh I agree I just <laughs> it this is like one of those things where if I could go, like go back in time or live this life again or you know in a next life I hope I come back and do what you're doing because it just it it just sounds so cool and creative and intuitive too like I mean like there's just so there's so many levels to this career and mm-hmm. I mean I'm a just in awe I just think it's so cool I mean I agree I'm so like happy with my path and I think that's mm-hmm. why I want to share that with others because I feel really lucky that I that I found myself in this place and somebody else might kind of like you said not have um even realized that's something they'd, they'd be good at or love to do or feel really yeah. do but I don't want anybody else to kind of to feel that way either so I think that's why I'm so passionate about it <laughs> <laughs> okay so after graduation mm-hmm. and your research is you know done or passed on what what's next I get to start working. I'm so excited. <laughs> Weird, but I've just been in school for so long. I'm really, How really long looking. now? How many years? I mean, I'm 28 years old, so I've been in school the whole go of it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I guess, what, 25 years? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's yeah, that's a really long time. <laughs> like I hope I'm an expert in my field by now. <laughs> <laughs> Quarter of a century <laughs> you've been in school. <laughs> Hold my walker. I'm ready to start working. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> get me get me some tennis balls on there so I can like creep up. So yeah, traditionally when people wrap up their PhD, there's two avenues that you can pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, academia and industry. So in academia, you can go on to teach and start your own lab and continue research in that sense, or Mm -hmm. you can work in say biotech, pharmaceuticals, anything of that nature, however you want to want to take it. And there is a stigma, sort of, or I've experienced a stigma in academia or in my lab when you do want to jump into industry, there's a Mm -hmm. huge lack of resources or availability, like what am I even qualified to do? Like what opportunities are there out there? So Mm -hmm. I've really been taking this time where I have been home a lot the days that I don't have things going on in the lab, reaching out myself personally to friends, friends of friends, parents, whoever I know that is in industry in the biotech field, asking Mm -hmm. them what they do, their experiences. And I've gotten some amazing feedback, even kind of roles or job titles that I didn't know existed. Like it's kind of this gray box that is not really discussed. Um, and so I've been trying to slowly chip away at that to re- better articulate um, what I'd be, what I'd be not necessarily qualified for, but happy moving forward. Like I've had such a positive experience in my education and my schooling that I would obviously love to be able to continue um, mm-hmm. on that path. But it's hard, kind of like when you go to college, if say at that point you didn't know what to study, just to kind of pick something and run with it and hope for the best. Right. I've been, for lack of a better explanation, uh, doing my own research on what I want to do for my job. (laughs) (laughs) What are you kind of like leaning towards? Or can you even say that? Yeah. But what I'm leaning towards now is to actually go into healthcare consulting. I've had really unique experiences in my graduate work working on these diagnostics and going through the patent process, FDA. application process and with COVID and everything going on there's a lot a lot of movement in that area which Mm -hmm. I think would be pretty similar to what I do now because they in consulting they put you on projects that you get to kind of dissect the the issue at hand and offer improvements or solutions to get to whatever goal they need to achieve which is also engineering in a way which I Mm -hmm. um which I love so I think that would prove an awesome um starting point for me wrapping up school and a segue into the business side of science Um, because I have been at the bench for so long doing the hard the basic science at the bench myself that yeah I think that would be incredible other things that I've been uh, looking into are more of business development or corporate strategy in terms of a lot of these larger biotech conglomerates to buy up some of the smaller technologies to see would this be um, useful, this technology? Do we need it to progress our own endeavors of our company or or things of that nature, kind of looking into the technology itself? Oh, wow. See, like, I didn't even know that was a job. I didn't either until about last month. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's your favorite part about going into the lab each day? I like that I'm on my own schedule I pre-plan my own experiments um kind of run myself and the the resources or the help is there the guidance if and when I need it but Mm -hmm. 
all of us, we're not always say like maybe on every day or in, maybe you're having a slow morning or one day you wake up really inspired and I can wake up at 7am and jump in the lab and get started. Or mm-hmm. if I'm having an off day, I can say, you know what, I'm going to get some writing done. And I, I think it's nice that I'm able to, I guess, nurture whatever part or whatever, however I'm feeling that way or inspired. And mm-hmm. um, as you know, I mean, creativity is not always um, something that you can channel every day or turn on yeah. and off. So that's so mm-hmm. important to be able to have that, um, option, I guess, or flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a little bit more, more freedom. So you can't be, you know, science all the time. What do you like to do for fun and kind of like stress relief to make, like, maybe if you're having like a mental block. So I'm one of those people that wakes up and works out before I go to work. Um, nice. I love it. I go to Pilates. I love Pilates. And yeah, I, I think I mean, I can talk about Pilates all day. Just Pilates is incredible. Just the way he created. I really do feel it is therapeutic and meditative in a way because it is kind of I zone out when I go in there and just listen and follow my instructor and I leave there feeling rejuvenated, my blood's flowing, excited for the day. Um, Yeah, I mean, I could talk positive things about Pilates all day long. I love it. (laughs) Well, that machine in itself, like the reformer, like the engineering that goes into that and thinking about your body moving and muscles engaging to to move this machine in a certain way is that that's a very powerful workout. A hundred percent. And I just think it's so cool. Like Joseph Pilates, originally the machine was built as a rehabilitation device. So a lot of these individuals and they said, oh, you have this issue. You're not going to be able to say move or have this range of motion. And, mm-hmm. um, I honestly have been really wanting to, to buy a book on this because I'm not even going to explain it very well, but I guess there was like injured soldiers and Joseph Pilates engineered using the beds where they were sleeping. That's why the, the reformer has all the springs in yeah. order to regain their range of motions to be able to be like active again, which I think is so cool. That's amazing. Yeah. And just the way Pilates was designed that. I mean, it's impossible for all of us to be completely balanced all the time. Just the way nature is, it's not always even. And right. Pilates is able to balance it as much as possible. So extra pressure that's put on different organs or joints just due to day-to-day activity is mm-hmm. really relieved, which I think helps my body function better on a on a molecular level, really. Yeah. Um, and make me feel like my best. Yeah. I gosh, COVID has really put a damper in my, my workout game. So I'm not, I'm not good at, at working out in my home and, you know, I just feel like I'm in this, like, like I used to do like a ton of hot yoga. I don't feel comfortable being in a hot yoga room right now. Let's just, me either. no, it's it. No, (laughs) it's, it's a breeding ground for, for COVID and flu and just hot everyone's hot stinky air I, I can't <laughs> I can't yeah. do it. I've been fortunate too uh, since I'm based in Miami um mm-hmm. it's great weather all year so I yes pretty active. I have a dog so I'm in the dog park I swim all the time kayaking paddleboarding mm-hmm. all of that fun stuff is available to me like after work basically um oh, that's amazing so I think it's a bit easier to keep active being here yeah. for sure yeah it's starting to get cold. There's there's still like a lot of hiking and stuff that you can do and that I love to do. But yeah. I miss Pilates. I miss being in like a studio environment. So 
What do you have to say to any women out there considering a career in STEM? My high school biology teacher always told me, if not you, then who? And it sounds so cheesy, but it's so true. Yeah. We're all capable. If you're motivated enough and you want something, you can do it. So I say, don't really listen to anybody around you. If you hear any negativity, like if you want something, go after it. And I think that um, there's not enough encouragement or support available out there. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, reach out to me. I'm happy to talk to anybody about any questions they might have or anything like that, because I just think that if you're passionate about something or you're interested in it, go for it. It's been the most rewarding experience. And um, I just hope that everybody has has that same same outlook and opportunity and and you can totally do it everybody can do it beautiful where can people find you you can find me at dr dev d-r-d-e-v phd on instagram awesome Devin, thank you so much for taking the time this morning i know you've got some other stuff to get to so i really appreciate it and i think people are really going to dig this episode Oh my gosh, Danielle, I was just so excited to chat with you today. So thank you again for reaching out. This was so fun. Oh man, guys, I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode. Share it with any friends and family looking into careers in STEM. Dr. Dev, you are a badass. Make sure to follow along with her at Dr. Dev PhD. That's at D-R Dev D-E-V P-H-D. Keep sending in your NDE moments. I love reading them. And, you know, now that the election will be over next week, I'm going to go back to sharing those. (laughs) Please make sure you hit the subscribe button and give the WOMED a rate and review. It actually does help a ton. Thank you so much for the continued love and support for the WOMED. Not just women in medicine, but women in STEM too. In the immortal words of Shania Twain, Let's go, girls. Till next week, WOMED out.